Lord, I greatly decrease that you might increase through me, Father God. Touch these lips of clay, Father God, that I will only speak that which flows from the throne room of heaven. Father God, I pray today that you would meet us at the point of our need in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would impart into us, God, that that will change us and mold us, God, and lift up our faith so that we can become the people that you called us to be. So, Lord God, I pray over this people, Lord, that you would prepare their hearts, God, for what you're going to say today. And that, God, that that breakthrough, whatever we're looking for, God, that you would meet us right there in the name of Jesus. And God will give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about a very, very, very important subject. And Every now and then you will hear me say that this is going to be, this is one of those life-changing messages. Uh, this message is a, a type of message that will, that will change, that will make a change and a deposit in you for the rest of your life. And yet it's very, very critical that we understand how do you see yourself in God. Seeing yourself the way that God sees you. If somebody were to come up to you and say, you know, who are you in Christ? Could you tell them within inside of 15, 20, 30 seconds? Could, I mean, could you just say, you know who I am? This is who I am. Could you name it out or would you have to kind of sit back and say, I'm not really sure. See, it's important to know that in order to reach our potential in God, how I many know that we must have a proper self-image of ourselves? We, you and I must understand and know who you are in God. So many people fail to reach their destiny in God, fail to reach their full potential in God because they don't understand who they are. Because how many know that when you come into the kingdom of God, positionally, you have been made right with God. Positionally, you're saved, you're sanctified. But how many know practically, we have to do some things. You have to renew your mind to understand who you are in God. And oftentimes what happens is that we have a tendency, even though we're saved, we're in the kingdom of God, but we're not living in victory. How many know that you can be saved and not live in victory? And that's a sad testimony, to be saved, to be in the kingdom of God, but never ever reach your full potential. And what we tend to do from time to time is we, we focus on our own limitations, how I many know that God is not limited to our limitations? And so when you begin to focus on yourself, what I can do, what I can do, how I many know that that's the wrong attitude? Because when you came into the kingdom, you change. There's a new identity in you, and it is our responsibility to find out what that is so that we can go ahead and live it out, practically speaking. Can you say amen to that? And so a poor self-image breathes no faith to accomplish what God has put in your spirit. You see, if you're one of those persons, God has put something in your spirit, and you know that God has called you to do it, but, but, but there's, there's, there's fear in you that grips you and causes you not to move forward because you keep thinking about, what if I fail? What if, just what if I go up there and I stand up before all those people and I, you know, because I'm not comfortable doing this, you know, this scares me a little bit. What if I fail? And because I'm not this and I'm not that. 
But how many know it's not about what you're like, it's about what he is like. It's about his power that works through you. And see, that's amazing because when we get that revelation, it kind of takes the pressure off. <laughs> it takes the pressure off. You know why I take the pressure off? Because I don't have to live in fear. Because oftentimes, how many know that when God calls you to do something, oftentimes he's going to call you to do something that is much bigger than yourself. Oftentimes, God's going to call you to do something. When he gives you a vision, when he calls you to do it, when he puts something inside of your spirit, oftentimes, if God inspired it, it's going to require God's power to fulfill it. Are you with me? And so you and I got to get that. And we're not going to have any faith to accomplish it if we keep focusing on our own limitation. Well, I can't do this. I'm not that. Well, my mama and daddy, some of us have grown up in environments. You know, I I had that experience, sad to say. Well, my mom said, you weren't going to be this. And, you know, you're not going to be that. And some of us have grew up in that environment. Oh, you're never going to amount to anything. Your daddy didn't amount to anything. In fact, I look down through the corridors of time and I see your whole generation haven't done anything for God. So what make you think that you're going to be any different? Any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Glory to God. You have been made new. Now we need to figure out what is it that we are supposed to do in the kingdom. And listen, die to yourself. Get that. Because that's very, very important. That you and I got to die to ourselves. You and I will never reach our potential in God. Young people hear me. Hear me well. You will never reach your potential in God until you die to yourself. And you know what? That death is a daily death. It's not a one-time thing. I mean, you keep dying to yourself every day because how many know that old flesh, those old thoughts are going to keep coming into your mind. You know, and people think that, you know, when I get saved, that automatically I'm just supposed to just flow in God. It doesn't work that way. Salvation is free. Discipleship won't cost you something. And so we need to get to the point where we can renew our mind and begin to ask God some serious questions. God, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Because God saved you and you are still here. He saved you for a grand purpose. And it's important that you have the right image, that you see yourself like God sees you. Because if you don't see yourself that way, then you're going to be limited. You're not going to reach your full potential. You might get God's second best, but how many know, how many of you want God's seconds? I don't know about you, but I want God's first. I want God's best for me in my life. And whatever God put in my spirit, I don't want fear or my own self-esteem issues to get in the way of what God want to do in my life. I want God to be able to pour into me. If God puts something in my spirit, I want to be that man to jump up and say, God, I will do it. I may be shaken. I may be trembling. Hallelujah. But I can do it because how many know you walk with God long enough, he's going to put you in some uncomfortable places. And we, you got to get that. If you walk with God alone, he's going to bring you to a point where you are going to have to trust in him and not your own strength, not your own power. And for many of us, that's, we don't like that because the human nature says what? I want to be in control. And God comes along and he says, I'm taking it away from you because you dead, you died. I am your savior. I am your deliverer. I am the one that's going to take you to your point of destiny. Turn with me to Exodus chapter number three. Exodus chapter number three. Hallelujah. Actually, we're going to be looking at Exodus number four. Now, we all read about Moses. 
Mighty man of God, called of God. God meets Moses. God confronts Moses. Moses has been on the backside of a desert to the tune of about 40 years. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Hallelujah. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I just dropped my mic. Y'all with me? Don't go to sleep on me. With all this noise, you can't go to sleep, huh? There we go. How's that? All right, where was I? So Moses called of God. God said, Moses, you are going to go to Pharaoh, Moses, and you are going to deliver my people. I've seen the oppression that my people have been going through. I've seen the challenges. And Moses, I am going to send you, Moses, to deliver my people. You're going to do it. Now, how do we think Moses responded to that? Did Moses jump up and say, yippee, wow, I can do this thing. Hallelujah, God. I'm ready to go. Take me to that next level. Well, let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 4. Look at verse number 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am of slow speech and a slow tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go and I even I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses and he said, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I even I will be with your mouth in his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people and it shall come about that he shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be as a God to him. Now, here it is, Moses this great man of God, he is telling the Lord, the Lord said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And what is Moses focusing on? I can't speak too well. I'm, I'm not very fluent. You see, God, you, 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 don't, you don't understand. You know, all of my life, you know, I grew up this way and, you know, I'm not a real good. I can't talk that well, God. Can you do me a favor? Can you bring me somebody else that can give me a crutch? Give me Aaron, somebody that will speak on my behalf. Because, you know, God, I mean, I, you know, I, I know you're calling me to do this. But I can't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the man because I got, you see, God, I got these limitations. How many know that all of us got limitations? And the king, all of us got limitations. But God don't have any limitations. And who lives inside of you? Almighty God, all the authority of God lives inside of you. And how many know that we are God's kids with God DNA and you and I ought to think like God? Now, I know that might be a little bit strange to you. You hear that? I mean, listen, because, you know, my kids are African-American. It's their DNA. They're just like their daddy. We didn't sit back and try to figure it out. It just kind of happened. They're part of his family. They came out of our loins, so they're African-Americans. They have our DNA. 
How many know that we've been born into the kingdom of God? We ought to have God's DNA. And in God, there is no limitations to what he can do. And if you, listen to this, you as a believer, as a Christian, there is no limitations to what God will do in you. Now, you got to believe that. There are no limitations to what God, if whatever God want to do through you, you are not limited. You see, here's the thing. We need to get the focus off of ourselves and begin to say, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do. Some of us, we dream and we have visions and we go home and we stand in the mirror. How many of you have ever imagined stuff? Oh, I imagine that I'll do this. And, you know, you just kind of dream and dream. But never reach that point where you step out in faith and say, you know what? This dream can become reality. Why? Because I serve a God that is not limited. I serve a God who has all power. And so what God was reminding Moses, he was saying, Moses, stop talking about what you can't do. Because it's not about what you can't do. It's about what he can do. The Apostle Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, there was nothing that I cannot do in God. Why? Because God has all power. You see, this is, see what I'm preaching today is a level of faith that we got to reach in our lives. Because if you're going to reach your full potential, how many of you, how many of you would say that, that, that you got some dreams inside of you? Yeah, I, I will hope all of us do. All of us got some things inside of us, right, that we, that we would like to see happen. But how many know that in order to accomplish that, we got to have a proper image of ourselves, we can't look at ourselves the way that we used to be before we came into the kingdom. You see, we can't. We can't have that grasshopper mentality. Well, pastor, what are you talking about? A grasshopper mentality. Well, go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Numbers chapter 13. Some of you getting, some of you licking your chops right now because you know where I'm going with this. Number, Numbers chapter 13. Hallelujah. I'll just keep preaching until you get excited about this thing because I'm excited God's going to speak to you today. This is a word, life-changing word. Numbers chapter 13. And I got to get there. Hallelujah. Give me a second. Numbers chapter 13. Here Moses, this same Moses, who had been talking about all of his own limitations and what he could not do. Now Moses finds himself, by the way, if you go back and you read the story of Moses, how many times did Aaron actually speak for Moses? Go back and study. Probably none. Moses developed a kind of faith because God had mercy on him. And, you know, God had mercy on us. Some, you know, God asked us to do something. Well, God, can you just make this a little bit easier for me? God, can, can you just send me somebody that can help me along the way? God is saying, no, go ahead. Go ahead out there. Go do it. Go do it. You go. Well, the children of Israel, here they are. <laughs> Moses, God had made them a promise. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going I'm to give you this, a beautiful land, a spacious land. I'm going to give it to you. So Moses gathered together a, a spy from every tribe. Because, you know, whenever you're going to go to war, they usually send out some spies, right? They got to kind of survey the land and kind of figure out what's over there because they're going to attack. So Moses sent out some spies, a representative from every tribe. They go out there, man, to the, to the, to the land that, that flows with milk and honey. They go out there and... And the first thing the spies, they see all this stuff. And it's like, wow, this is everything that God said it was going to be. Well, let's, let's read about it. So they see the land. The 12 spies, they come back, they see the land. Now they have to give a report to Moses. Now, let's hear what they say to Moses. Look at uh, 
Numbers 13, verse number 27. Thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. I mean, Moses, just like you said, Moses, this is an awesome land. This is, I mean, it is beautiful just like you said. Nevertheless, and you know, usually nevertheless means but, which usually kind of like canceled out everything that was said before. <laughs> nevertheless, the people who live in the land are what? Strong. And the cities are fortified, very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Amnak there. Now, wait a minute. They spent a very, very small amount of time talking about how beautiful the land was, and their focus now became on the giant. And how many know that if you focus on the giant, you cannot go and reach your promise? Because the giant is there for God to show forth his power to deliver you. And that's why God put those obstacles and those giants. Well, God, why do I have to go through this? So that you can understand that I am the Lord and I am the one that's going to give you your promise. I'm going to cause you to tread over all the schemes of the enemy. I'm going to cause you to succeed in God because it is my power. Well, they start talking about and focusing in on the giants. And look what they said. Verse 29, Amalekite is living in all the land of Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. Oh, my God. Oh, I love this scripture. Caleb, I want you to get the vision here. Everybody is sitting there talking, right? We, we saw this land, but everybody in the spies are saying, look, look, but, but, but you know, there's too, many, there's too many giants over there. I mean, we can't do that. I mean, I, mean, I know what, that's what God said, but, you, but did you see how fortified those cities were? Did you see how everybody was big? Now, how I many you know that using the land, everybody ain't big? But they were so captivated by their fear, their doubt, and their unbelief. Everything was magnified. All the giants were human. And if it's a two-year-old baby, it's a big giant. Why? Because of their mindset. It's because of the way they're thinking. Oh, everybody's talking. I don't think we can do this. I mean, the cities are fortified. And Caleb kind of hears this. He's like, Caleb said, wait a minute. Shut up. Shut up. That's what he's basically saying. He quieted the people. The Bible, that's a nice word. Quieted. In other words, he quieted the people. And he, before Moses said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. Now, what is the difference between the spies and Caleb? Caleb, he looked at the land, and here's what Caleb thought. Caleb saw Oh, look at my children. Wait, God, you mean that I can have all this? I mean, God, look, I can see my kids out there playing. God, I see this big and beautiful land. Everything over here is green. Look at the waterfalls. Oh, man, and the fruit is good. I can't wait until I get it. Oh, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that this is going to be mine. You see what his level of faith is. Versus the people who saw it, they said, very nice, but... We ain't supposed to have that. You know why? Because their image. See, they had a negative perception, and they were so focused on their own strength and ability that they failed to recognize that if God said it, then God was going to be the one that was going to get them the promise anyway. And so it is in your life. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, God will make a way for you to do it. Because it's not by power, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
And so Caleb sees this land and he says, we are surely we're going to overcome it. But then look at this, verse 31. But the men who had gone with him said, and see, that's why, and that says something else. We got to be careful who we hang around with. Uh, come on. You know, if you're going to achieve your destiny, God, you need to hang with people that's going where you're going. Come on. You need to hang with people that's going with you. I don't not, listen, I don't like to be, and I'm just being honest with you, I don't like to be around people that lack no faith, that's always talking negative about what I can't do. When the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, there is nothing that I cannot do. And so all these people around him, they're up there telling everybody, and listen how contagious this gets. When you have that, that spirit, that, that negative spirit, that, 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 that spirit that lacks faith. That, look, look at how contagious this thing becomes. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. Now that good land that they saw supposedly was good, but now it's a bad report. It turned on them. And the land to which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. See, they've already been defeated. Before they even went in and engaged a little bit, they already, their thinking was, I've lost. I've lost. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose. See, if you think you're going to lose, you're going to lose. All right? Come on. If, if that's the way that you look at yourself, and that's the image that you have of yourself, that I can't, that I can't, that I can't, then you probably won't. Because there's no faith in you to move forward. Oh, glory to God. Are y'all getting this? Oh, glory to God. But look at verse 33. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, my God. This is some strong stuff. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Amnak, are part of the Nephilim. And this is in verse 33. And we became like grasshoppers. <laughs> Talking about the grasshopper mentality. We became like grasshoppers in whose sight? Our own sight. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God made them a promise. They see this land and they became grasshoppers. In other words, they say, you know what? I can't do this. I mean, this is too big for me. They were thinking small because they had a small mindset. And you know what? It'll be to you as you say. Because here it is. The great God had made them a promise, and they are, they are looking like grasshoppers in their own sight. In other words, the way that they see themselves, they, they're not winners. They don't have a winner's attitude. And let me tell you this. As a believer, we should all, listen, we should, we, should, we should exemplify a winning attitude. I mean, come on. We, I mean, if anybody should exemplify that, it should be us. Because we don't, listen, we're not limited. Because you and I know that what God called us to do Oh, my goodness, God is going to bring it to pass, but we got to believe we can't have a grasshopper mentality. You see, God will call you and put something in your spirit, in your heart, but God cannot make you get up and do it. Are you with me? You can have a dream and a vision in your heart, but until you put some faith to your action and begin to to put some, what what I'm trying to say, some action to your faith, you're not going to get it until you step up. You'll sit in that chair and you can dream, you can dream, you can dream. But you're never going to seize it 
until you die to yourself, get rid of that old negative self-image that keeps telling you what you can't do, what you're never going to be, and begin to dream in God and begin to step out in faith and say, okay, my, my God, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am not limited in whatever God calls me to do. And so that grasshopper mentality, many believers have it. Saved, but not living victory. Saved, but not really achieving their full potential in God because of a grasshopper mentality. Look at John chapter 3. I got to lay a foundation here a little bit. The Gospel of John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. Y'all get anything out of this? The Gospel of John chapter number 3. Now, I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation here. And this is important. Because if we can get this principle, we can come to that place where we can do whatever it is that God put in our heart. But here's where we got to understand. This is very, very important. The Gospel of John, chapter number 3, verse number 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi... We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want to stop right there because, see, that is where we got to deal with this thing. That's, that's the door. That's the entryway. Now, when we talk about being born again, that means that you and I have to start all over again. You know, how many uh, you know, parents here who had kids, you know, when, I, when, when, when our little ones come out of the womb, what are they usually doing? They're kind of coming out and they're doing like this. And it's like in their hands, you know, they, they can't see anything. They don't know anything. They don't know how to walk. And it's just like, they, you know, because they just got born. Well, when God says born again, he's not saying that I'm going to rebuild you. He's not saying that I'm going to refurbish you. How many of you have ever had a, Kenny, you might have had a, that kind of experience. You ever had a rebuilt motor? You know, and I, had, you know, I had the experience of knowing somebody that had a rebuilt motor. And then what happens is, after a while, some of the same symptoms might creep back up in some places. It's like, oh, man, it's kind of like doing the same thing that it was doing before. But when God comes into you, he says you're born again. He is going to look. He's going to throw out the old hard drive and bring in the new. And what that newness means is a new way of thinking, a new way of living. New ideologies. We don't think the same way. We don't act the same way. Now I got to learn all over again how to walk. I got to learn all over again how to talk. I got to learn how to reason. I got to learn now how to begin to think like God thinks. Now, why is that so important? Because you will never reach your destiny until you die to yourself. Jesus said we can't even see the kingdom, can't see it. Unless you be born again. In other words, you got to start all over again. And listen, and some believers never get to that point. They're saved, perhaps saved, if they're saved, but they never get to that point where they said, okay, I'm here now, God. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to talk? But how many know that when you come into the kingdom of God, everything's supposed to change? The way of living, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature, new creation. You are brand new. So guess what? The way that you used to think prior to coming into the kingdom, now you have to abandon 
that old way of thinking. And what so many of us keep doing is we keep resurrecting the old man. We keep letting him want to live. We keep letting that old man want to have his way. And when that happens, what happens is we bring that poor self-image of ourselves now into the kingdom. We're sitting there and we're trying to figure out why I'm not having any victory in God. Because maybe our thinking hasn't been renewed yet. And if our thinking is going to be renewed, then there's something that you and I have to do. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul says, I'm crucified. Now, why did Paul say that? Paul also talked about in Philippians, he said, you know, I got a whole bunch of degrees. I mean, I'm well-educated. I'm learning. I mean, I was a Pharisee. I had it all together. I'm willing to cancel all that and throw that all away now because, you see, I'm dead now. And why was Paul saying that? Because Paul understood that if he was going to reach his destiny and his full potential in God, he had to die and he had to begin to get, he had to begin to get God's mind and perspective on things. So he says, you know what? Everything that I earned, everything I did in life, I put it down. I'm not that person anymore. It is gone. I'm dead. I'm crucified. Crucified means just dead. Dead. So now if you're dead, then the only life you're living is by faith in the Son of God. And when we live by faith in the Son of God, what we're saying is that we're living constantly in a new state of mind, daily learning how to think like God thinks. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, pastor, how do I renew my mind? Faith comes by hearing. What are you hearing? Hearing by the word of God. What are you listening to? What are you spending your time? Listen, if you're struggling in a particular area, that old man keeps creeping up because I promise you it ain't going to stop. And the only way that, well, let me put it this way. The way that you suppress it is to fill yourself with the word of God and begin to, if that means that you got to put scripture on the refrigerator, post them in your car. If you're struggling with a particular issue and the devil keeps trying to remind you of what kind of person you are and what you can't do, then you just take the word of God and begin to quote the word of God right in that area. The word of God is like a medicine and begin to confess it, confess it and hear it and hear it. Hear it on the radio. Sit down, read it, eat it, eat it, eat it. Why? Because now you're going to get the mind of God. And you need to think like God thinks. So when God calls you, you're ready. You're sharp because you've been trained. Your spiritual senses have been trained and you're ready to go because you think like God thinks. And you don't have no negative image of yourself. You see yourself as being what? Victorious. I see myself as a winner. I don't see myself as losing. Are you with me? Bring me to my next point. I want you to write this down if you can. This is a profound statement, but it's true. How you view yourself will determine how others see you. I'm going to say that again. How you view yourself will determine how others will see you. I want to say that again. How you view yourself will determine how other people are going to see you. Well, but Pastor, well, can you give me a scripture to back that up? Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks within himself, so is he. So if you think that, you, listen, you have a mindset that, you know what, that I'm defeated, I'm incompetent, I'm unwanted, I have nothing to offer, then guess what's going to happen? Other people are going to see you the same way you see yourself. 
They're going to look at you and they're going to say, yeah, you're incompetent. Because I'm looking at you. You don't have any confidence. I can see that because whatever is in here is going to come out. I'm going to be careful when I say this. God, I want you all to understand me. You ever seen, whether you're in a mall, um, and, and, and if you all say no, then I know you're not being honest. So you just might as well repent right now because all of us have experienced this. Well, you ever been like walking in a mall, in a park or whatever, and you've seen this, you see this couple, right? And this one, you know, the female, let's just, for, for the purposes of this message, let's just say the female, she's gorgeous, she's beautiful, she's knocked out, good looking. But then you look over to her right side and you see the guy that's holding her hand, it's like, wow, how did those two hook up? Oh, come on. Now, don't, come on, have you ever said that? Oh, come on now. Come on, come on, don't do you, you want You say, my goodness, how the, I remember, I'll never forget it, when Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston first got married. And everybody, I remember everybody saying, how in the world? I mean, what is this? But let me tell you something. But if you had an opportunity to go talk to that guy that looks unattractive when you first see him, nine times out of ten, he's confident in who he is. He believes that he's God gifts to everybody. He don't believe that he's a, he, he believes that he's good looking. And after a while, you start hanging with him, you start talking, you talk to him a little bit, then you'll start believing it too. Even though when you first saw him, you said, the brother don't look that good. But now you listen to him talk, you're drawn to him because he's confident. He's assured. He knows who he is. He's not worried about a thing. And I'm going to tell you, that girl that's by his side, that's exactly what she saw. Because if you see her, you see how beautiful she is, you're thinking, oh, wow, how in the world? That's why. You see, how you view yourself determine how other people are going to look at you. You see, here's the thing that we got to realize. <laughs> the reason why sometimes we get upset about what people say about us, I mean, can, can we be honest? Sometimes we get downright upset when people say certain things about us because deep down inside, if we're really honest, I mean, deep down honest, we believe some of that stuff that they're saying. Because if you know what, if I didn't believe it, don't bother me. You can call me all kind of names. You can call me a deceiver. You can call me a liar. You can call me ugly. You can call me cheap. But if I know in who I am, I just look at you and you don't, you don't bother me. You don't bother me because I know who I am in God. You see, I don't have that same negative image. I'm born in the image of God. So you can say whatever you want. It doesn't bother me because I don't believe that about myself. Now, if you believe it, you know, we, you, you hear sometimes when people say, well, you push the button. And what they're really saying is, you know, I kind of believe that. And that's, that's kind of like an area that I'm struggling in. So how dare you say that? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so it goes to show that we got to be, listen, we need to renew our thinking and renew our mind so that we can begin to think like God thinks and begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. And, you know, sometimes, you know, a daily dosage of the word of God is good for you. You know, they got all these things. You go to these motivational speakers and all these different things to try to build you up and build up. You know what? You don't need that. You can, if, you're, if you're in Christ, all you need is right here. Look at this thing and see what God says you're like. That's what you need. That's what you need. If you're struggling, look in his word because God will tell you. And then in Luke 6, 45, out of the abundance of the, house, of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, boy. You know, you ever want to know, you know, one of the things, and I'm not bragging, but one of the things I know about myself is God has given me a gift of discernment. And I've had it for a very, very long time. I can tell a fake when I see one. I'm, I'm just being frank with it. And one of the things I've learned to do over the years is I've trained myself to listen. 
And part of it is my job. But then, you know, being a Christian, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's just that much better. Glory to God. And if you really want to know where people are and what they think about themselves, listen to them talk. I can stand and listen to a person for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I can figure out what they think about themselves. Oh, really? You can, I mean, you know, just, just, let, just, let, just let them talk. Don't be in a rusty talk. Just go ahead, talk, talk, talk. Wow, okay, wow. Oh, wow. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So now what we need to start doing is going back to that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We need to keep hearing the word of God. Why? And why does faith come? Because the more you hear it, the more you receive it, the more you eat it, the more you're going to begin to change and become it. Because all of us have to wrestle with that, right? We have to wrestle with some of the old stuff that we've been dealing with in our lives. And now we're going to get ready to close, but i got six things, but they're going to be real quick. Can you give me a few more minutes? Glory to God. Give me a few more minutes. It's a blessing. I promise it is a blessing. All right. Now, how does God see you? Now, how does God, the way that God sees you is the same way that you need to see yourself. Number one, God sees you more than a conqueror. The Bible says over in 8, in Romans 8, 20, 37, that we overwhelmingly conquer. That is, listen, when the Bible says that we're more than a conqueror, that means that we're not just simply getting by. Well, I'm just trying to make it. Oh, Lord, it's hard out here. The Bible says that we're more than a conqueror. So we're not just squeaking by me. We're kicking butt. Now, if you don't see yourself that way, that's what I mean. You've got to begin to elevate your faith and begin to see yourself as a conqueror. Begin to see your circumstances around you. That word conqueror means to win by force or over obstacles. Obstacles are just opportunity for God to show you how bad he is and how that there is nothing that can stop a believer that have the right perspective on life. So you need to look at yourself as, you know what, I am more, I'm not just conquering, but I am more than that in God. And then you need to look at yourself as an overcomer. Revelation 12, 11 said, and they overcame him, the enemy, the devil, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. We have already overcome. Listen, that's what we need to tell ourselves. You know what? I'm an overcomer. God has made me worthy. By the blood of Jesus, I've overcame death, sickness, and sin. And then they overcame by the word of their testimony. In other words, they began to speak what they knew was true. And when you, when you begin to speak what's in your heart, come on, people, when you begin to speak like that, your life, your life will change and the environment around you will begin to change. Because you're an overcomer and you need to get that down in your spirit. No matter what state you're in, no matter what situation that you find yourself, you are. You need to say that to yourself until you get it deep down. I am more than a conqueror in God. I am an overcomer in God. And then you need to also say that you are the head and not the tail. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you trying to preach that, that prosperity gospel? No. Well, last time I read, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord, the fullness, and everything that dwells in it. The Bible also says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Right? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. We need to have the attitude that I am the head and not the tail. Now, if that guy next door to you got a bigger house than you got, he got a bigger car, he got more money, and he can go, he can take a vacation every day. 
If he ain't in Christ, he is not above you. If he is not in God, are you with me? If he is not in Christ, even though he is rich monetarily as far as you can see, he's not above you. You know why? Because the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. It all belongs to us. Look around you. All of this stuff, it all belongs to the people of God. We own it all. Now, again, having a mindset that I'm the head and not the tail is very, very important. Because even though you may not have anything, look at it this way. Jesus, when he came on the scene, Jesus came in a very, very humble condition. Born in a nasty stable. Hung out with poor. He didn't have a whole lot of money. But let me tell you something. But was his attitude poor? No, no. Jesus was rich. And he understood who he was. (laughs) And he walked around like I'm the head and not the tail. You might think that, Mr. Pharisee, that you have power over my life, but I'm the one to give power to take it up and to put it down and raise it up. Not you, Mr. Pharaoh. So even though you think you got the power, I'm laying down my own life. He's the head and he's not the tail. He's above and he's not beneath. Why? It's an attitude. And you know what? You and I need to think of ourselves that way. You know what? I am the head. I am not the tail. No matter what you got in your bank account, it doesn't matter. I'm the head and I'm not the tail because you know why? I'm an overcomer. (laughs) I'm a conqueror. And it all belongs to me anyway. Because it belongs to your God. And your God, who is the father of all things and the Lord of all things, has already given us the victory. And then we need to recognize that we're forgiven. You know, if you find yourself in a sin against God, don't walk around with your head hung down. If you ever sin, listen, the Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse of all unrighteousness. One thing I've seen Christians do when they fall before God, they walk around with this defeated attitude. Well, you know, I did this and I did that. Well, you know, confess and repent and then keep on going. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Now, why is he making intercession for us? Because we keep sinning. <laughs> Bottom line, Christ ever lives, it says in Hebrews 7.25, that Christ ever lived to make intercession for us because we keep blowing it. And so now what we need to do is come to that place that, you know, if I blow it, then I'll just confess it. And we need to walk around like children, like, like we're forgiven. Because nobody going to want to come into the kingdom of God and we got this negative self-image and we're walking around with all this, walking around with all this condemnation. We need to recognize that we've been forgiven. <laughs> Oh, God, we have been forgiven for everything, past, present, and future. It is all under the blood. God knew that before the world began, the sin that you and I did, he knew that we would do it. When he brought you into the kingdom in the first place, he already knew and he understood that. And then we need to recognize, finally, that we're chosen. The Bible says that we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. Now, for those of us that struggle with thinking that we're not special, how can you get more? You can't get much more special than that. That God, before the foundation of the world, before anything was created, God said, you know what? I look down through the corridors of time and I'm going to choose you to be a part of my kingdom. We, you and I, are chosen. We are privileged. Do you not know that wide is the gate, is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way? Few people are going to really get saved. I mean, really think about it. It's wide is the way to destruction. But God, in his mercy, 
God says, you know what, I'm going I'm to save you. I'm going to lavish my love on you. I'm going to choose you. And I, the first thing I'm going to, that's probably a lot of things I want to ask God, but one of the questions is, God, why did you choose me? It's a mystery, and it, but it shouldn't make us grateful that God decided to choose us. And you're sitting here today because you love God and because you've been chosen of God. And God, by his spirit, he draws you unto himself. And so we need to walk around with an attitude. What did I say? The first attitude. What did I say? Somebody who was taking notes. What did I say? You're what? What are you? Huh? All right. Uh-huh. Come on, that's good. What else? Somebody else. We're chosen. Come on, somebody else. Oh, come on, somebody else. Overcome a glory to God, and you're the head and not the glory to God. That's the way you need to think of yourself every single day. You need to get, get up and just confess it. I'm an overcomer. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I can beat. I'm victorious. I'm chosen of God. I am. I am God's seat. Ain't no devil in hell going to stop me from my destiny. Whatever it is that God has called me to, I'm going to accomplish it. You see, you got to see it. You got to walk into a thing and see that thing first. See, if you don't have any faith, if you can't see where you're going, if you can't begin to elevate your faith, you're not going to get there. You see, I have a vision of what this church is to be like. But I'm not just looking at now. I'm looking way beyond now. Are you with me? I'm looking way beyond. I see a people that are loving. I see a people that are passionate and devoted to Christ. I see a people that will give their life to this thing. I see that in the spirit. And listen, but, but if I don't see it, guess what? We're headed nowhere. Somebody got to have some eyes and say, you know what? I, 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 this is what it looks like in a natural, but, you know, I got to have some faith because this is where I'm going. And so what you do, you press into it. And, and it, ain't got, it ain't got nothing to do with your strength. It ain't got nothing to do with what you're going to do. It doesn't. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what it means. You die to yourself. It's not about me. I'm going to get rid of this negative self-image. This ne- oh, I can't do it. Oh, oh, it don't look all that good. Whoa, whoa. Come on, somebody. Every time that God ever says something to call somebody out of something, their present circumstance don't look all that good. But when God calls us, he's calling us something. He called us to something greater so that when we finally get there, we can look back and say, look what God did. <laughs> look what God. Look, can you believe what God did? I mean, did you just a few years ago? Here's where I was. And do you believe what God did? But in order to accomplish that, we got to change the way we look at ourselves. You got to. You can't look at yourself. You got to look at yourself the way God sees you. Get rid of that old negative thinking. And when you hear people talk negative around you, say, shh, be like Caleb. Shh, quiet the people. Shh, that's not what God says about you. In closing, we're going to read Joshua and we're done. Joshua chapter 1 and we're done. Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read starting in verse number, verse number six. God talking to Joshua. Moses is dead. Joshua got to lead the people into the land of promise. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to do all, do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book, this book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have not I commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Glory to God. Why did God tell Joshua that? Because Joshua was on the precipice of doing something awesome for God. He was at the threshold, and and Joshua needed to elevate his way of thinking. And so God kept saying, Joshua, be strong and courageous. But then he said, said, look, get this law, and I want you to read it. Why? Because you need to change the way you think. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have some circumstances and situations that's going to come against you in your life that's going to cause you to kind of want to pull back into the old way of thinking. So you got to meditate on this word. you got to be strong and courageous. God's word to us today is, if you're going to achieve your destiny, you got to think like me. Get rid of the old thinking. And begin to think like I think. Know that with me that there are no limitations in what I can do. For I am your God. I made you a promise. I am the one that's going to bring it to pass. Amen. Do you receive it? I said, do you receive it? Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord God, in a fresh way, God, we're going to see ourselves the way you see us. God, we're going to see ourselves walking in victory. We're going to see ourselves, God, stepping into that thing that you've called us to do, Lord. We're not going to walk, Father, in doubt and unbelief, Lord, no more. Whatever it is, God, that you have put in us, God, I, we pray that you, Father God, will give us the faith to believe it. And God, let us see, Father God, who we really are in you. Some of us, Lord, we just struggle. We don't understand. And so, Lord, we never dream. We never see because we keep thinking about our own limitations, God. And it's not about us, God. It's about you and your power. Your calling is your enablement. God, you can do it. You will do it. We will succeed. We will reach our destiny. We will make an impact for God. This ministry will be a glorious ministry. Many people will get saved, set free, and delivered. And the glory of the Lord will be upon us. We believe it today, God, and we receive it by faith. God, we give you the praise. Won't you stand to your feet?